So I'm just going to begin by saying my name is Sarah and today is Thursday the, goodness, 30th? 20, the 20th, 30th, oh 30th of where, July. Where is this year gone? I've got, yes, there's newspaper here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the 30th yes, of July, 2020. And this interview is taking place um, via a phone call. So just to start with, um, and to get to know a bit of your background, Elle, can you just tell me your name and the, the year that you were born? My name's Ellen Barclay, although I get called Ella, okay. and I was born in 1942 in Paisley. Okay. So you did you grow up in Paisley? Yes. Yes. And you've said already that your, your work was a TI, um, and was that with the NHS, Ella? Yes. Okay. Can you tell me what your first role within mental health was and where, where that was? Um, OT, they called them AIDS then. <coughs> uh, sorry, I've got a horsey voice. Uh, an OT aid in Dyke Bar Hospital and I was there for 28 years. Okay, that's quite a long time. So yes. Dyke, Dyke Bar Hospital, did you say? In Paisley. Uh-huh. And what type of... Can you tell me a wee bit about your work and specifically the arts work that you participated in or that you facilitated, helped to facilitate in, in the hospital? Um, every time I hear the word art, I keep thinking that I should have been able to draw things, um, which I could never ever do. We'd done a lot of arts, we'd done a lot of posters, we did a lot of things that were displayed in the wards and outside in the grounds, but I was never, a, a, even a drawer. The grandchildren used to say, draw me a cow gran, and it was four legs in a row, you know, and a car, four wheels in a row. So I was never, um, I used to take copies to, to make art, some of it. I would photocopy, um, say I was doing a thistle, I would take a photocopy of a, a wee thistle in a magazine and then just blow it up on the photocopier. Just photocopying it, press buttons, it would get bigger, it would get bigger and get bigger until I had an, a, a, an, an A4 or an A5, an A3 rather, and then would go from there. But I used a lot of other materials. Okay, so just to answer your, your question about art, Generally, Ella, we're, we're really thinking of um, creativity, I suppose, and that can be perceived in so many ways. And I think being creative can include so many different things. I know what you mean. There's that impression that you, you need yeah. to be able to draw. But, um, you know, creativity, I think, can include just creating in whatever way is meaningful to you and that person. Put a capital C, I can assure you. <laughs> uh -huh. But I think, you know, people be, can be very creative. Gardening, yeah. you know, building things, cooking even can be so creative. So it's it's a very broad kind of spectrum that we're looking at. Just to, to get an idea, Ella, of how, um, I suppose, art was used at, at that time. Um, I know that OT in the past has been used as a a type of uh, you know looking for activities to distract people at different times so that they're they're kind of occupied by doing something and yeah. and historically 
OT, I think, was seen as something we used, they used to be um, known as basket weavers. You know, that was We'd something. We've done that as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we were all, I used to Christmas cards. It says to the basket weavers. <laughs> and was that something that was used a lot, the, the basket weaving? We, we did a lot. We, we really done quite a lot of that. Um, right across the years, it was one of the few things that survived because although we done, I mean, we used to meet camp. If somebody went home for the week and came back, you know, home for the weekend, and the cats had had kittens, we would make a wee kitten basket, we'd weave a wee kitten basket, always try to make something that um, they were going to take home with them. And we also done the edging round trees and we done flower pot holders. So it was a variety of things. We done a baby basket at one time. It was a bit wonky, but it was used. That sounds lovely, Ella. So it's a baby basket like a crib. Yes. Beautiful. Um, and that was taken away and we lined it all and that was taken away home. Mm-hmm. And how do you think the, the, the patients how do you feel that they reacted to, to participating in activities like that? Most of the time, um, well, at the beginning, at the beginning, we definitely were, there, there wasn't too many of us, and we're a bit of a joke in the ward. What More or less ignored by staff and patients. You had to work really hard. Um, if you went into the ward, the staff would say, oh, 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 it's you, hello. And, and who will I have today? We never had a list of people there. We never had them to start with. Um, we, we weren't part of the treatment such, you know, as we became later on. So it was very much a getting in and just putting your head down, getting on with moving your own tables. Nobody helped you. Um, and the people were an oddity, I think, to the patients, more or less just ignored us. Why do you think that was, Ella? Uh, well, it wasn't encouraged. So it, the actual it, taking part in, in doing something creative wasn't encouraged? At the beginning, no, but as the younger nurses and what have you came through, um, and we got to know them better then, that we very much encouraged. It was very much part of a ward. Mm-hmm. But as regards to the patients taking part, um, eventually it got that I just didn't have enough time mm-hmm. to get round everybody I was supposed to get round because there was always a nurse or a charge nurse or a sister in the department said, Ella, could you come to ward three tomorrow? Ward three would at that time maybe be in my list. But they had identified someone that could do with a wee bit of a change, a wee bit of OT, and um, a wee bit separation from the rest of the ward. Mm-hmm. So just to go back, what you're saying, Ella, about how attitudes changed, it sounds like there was a time where maybe some of the older staff had a different attitude towards OT and doing something creative so they were maybe had a more kind of um, a different sort of medical approach to mental health and do you feel that that then changed when new staff 
very much on. so uh-huh. yes very much and Dyke Bar then was a, a training hospital so we had students later on the students went to university and came whatever but at the beginning there were student nurses being trained on the on the wards I don't know when that started and um, we were eventually I would say about 20 years before I left the hospital very welcome in the wards they couldn't get enough Mm-hmm. So, so OT and doing something creative was a lot more valued. Then. Plus, there wasn't very much. Um, when I look back on it, you were well. I was very much left to my own devices. You know, I never had a, a boss. The boss would say, "You've got wards one, two, three, four, five, but they never said, "This is what I want you to do, and this is how you do it." So. That's what I want you to go into the wards for. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. And how did you find that? Um, a bit difficult. But when I started, um, I was only going to be there for three months. And the thought of working in health, mental health was a big worry to me. I just had no interest whatsoever. Um, so I thought, right, I'll go and work for three months. It was maternity leave. I'll go and work for three months. And that's the end of that, because I hadn't worked then. That was always very... So I didn't want to make the whole, my whole life into a lunch group. Mm-hmm. So um, don't forget as well also, some of, a lot of these patients were um, sectioned patients. Mm-hmm. So even getting into um, town on the bus and away into town and all the rest of it was um, quite a task. Mm-hmm. Within that lunch group, I would give them the money to pay the fares because as sure as fate, they wouldn't have waited, especially the men, the long-term patients, they wouldn't have waited in a queue to go on the bus and they would sneak on without paying and all this kind of thing and folk moaning and groaning and complaining. So that itself was an activity, just mm-hmm. getting them on the bus and getting them to sit um, and no demand to go off when it suited them and said they're the right stop. Just simple things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, was, it sounds like it was very meaningful to them. And, you know, time away from from the ward was, yes. was must have been a very um, important thing for them as well. But very, very... Uh, I had um, one manager who said I was just to use miss out going into town because I had to come time and um, just use frozen food. Just use freezer food, you know, and I disagreed with that and all sorts of things. So it was um, quite involved until it got, was up and running and then they kind of left me alone mm-hmm. to go on with it. Mm-hmm. But then the other OTs all started to do it was part of their treatment because they were doing if they were, their um, assessments if they were able to go home and use a cooker and peel potatoes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about trying to get that person as independent as they can be, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? I'm interested to hear about some of the longer term patients and... At that time, I'd imagine that there would have been people in the hospital long term, um, you know, who may have been 
um, place there quite young um, and then become quite institutionalised and and perhaps stayed there for most of their life. 40 years. Yes. It, it, it was, and I was part of getting them ready to leave the hospital and go out in, into the community. And it sounds awful, but I disagreed with it so much simply because I felt they should have started. Is this boring you? Not at all. I'm really interested. It's great, Ella. I felt they should have started. We were getting 17, 18, 19-year-olds in. They were glue-sniffing at that time and things like this. It was a continual roundabout. And I felt they should have started with them and prevented them coming into hospital. Because if the pals were in, you could swear blind next week that the pals would be all together and there'd be a group of six in the hospital and they all knew one another. Um, and the ones that were in their 50s and some in their 60s, we had to, what hospital did you work in? I've worked mainly in Forth Valley. So I've worked in, in the Stirling hospitals and um, in the community mental health team. So you know what the big villas were? Yes. Well, we had lovely big villas dotted all over the hospital and I felt they could have made them into community homes mm. with maybe six patients with their own bedrooms. They could have done all that and let them live out their life. They didn't know about buses. Um, I mean, I remember taking one guy um, in, into the supermarket and he came across two aisles of alcohol and he just started going round in circles and he couldn't stop because obviously being an alcohol and alcoholic in his day, he couldn't, he, he couldn't get past these two aisles and I ended up manhandling him out of the shop because I, he was becoming so distressed. So if they'd left these, can it made it nicer for these people to have lived out their lives and tackled the younger ones and prevented it, them becoming long-term patients, mm -hmm. if that was possible. Mm -hmm. But it was very sad when they broke up the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 um, you know, I think for for some of the patients who've been in hospital for so long that becomes their normal doesn't it and and of the outside world is is so overwhelming for them um so just i, I feel it's really interesting ella i feel we're going away a bit from the arts of course um, we are. um so i'm just going thinking back to what you were saying um you know with activities and um the basket weaving do you feel then that there was, was there any move um, with new people coming in and things um, towards looking at what was meaningful, more meaningful to the patients in terms of what they wanted to engage in? And, um, you know, where basket weaving was used, I think, for a while as a kind of distraction and it was used... Um, as a as an industry, it's at some. Oh, they sold all that stuff. Yes, where were where were they sold to? People used to come into hospital and buy them. Mhm. Mm you know, there was there was always somebody looking for a tree. Or, one of the things with the staff would give us. Um, I can't even remember where the idea came from. The staff would give us. Leather, leather coats were all the fashion then, cheap leather coats, and they'd give us their leather coats. 
and we'd make handbags out of them, and we made um, waistcoats using, you know, the pockets would become pockets on the bag and things like that. Um, getting ideas from the staff, nobody ever says, can you take Willie here and get him to make a basket? Or could you take Willie here and get him to make a coat? You know, there was nothing like that, although we did. It was mostly our own ideas and our own, um, our own efforts as to what we would do. Yeah. And do you feel the patients who were involved in those activities felt, um, you know, it must have felt quite industrious what they were doing and they were then, you know, involved in, in making the products and selling them. Did they feel that they were, you know, kind of um, being creative and providing a service almost? I don't think they were ever aware of that. Because they would come, one of the patients would come in and say, "Have you got a, a wallet, nurse, somebody in such and such a ward wants a wallet, and you'd give them four wallets, and away they would go, and then come back and say, she wants you took the red one and give you the money. I don't think they were actually aware of that. Okay. And yet they bought things, they bought um, purses and wallets and bags and trays for their families. Mm-hmm. So it's more about their engagement in the process of it that they they got a lot out of and do you feel that that was part of their their kind of routine of the hospital almost that that was part of their day that they spent very much so but we also had industrial therapy what we called industrial therapy um for the more more able ones used and they get paid for that they get so much money um, every week and then we started up a scheme in the ward mostly with the women where they would set the tables and um, do wee jobs about the wards and they also got paid for that so there was a whole stream of things running through the hospital until we had a farm What happened on the farm? Um, we had I think we'd five cows and we had geese which was great because it's a very narrow lane to get into the hospital and it was a great and it, it was a great excuse in the morning if you were late to see the geese escape when we couldn't get past couldn't get your car past but health and safety and everything came in to that an event they closed they closed it down the health and safety didn't really have much to do with the farm Closing, getting closed down because we had workers, outside workers on the farm who were excellent. One of the guys that ran it actually had a cottage in the grounds and he was the one that dealt with everything, with the cows and everything. And the, the men, it was mostly the men, the men really loved the farm. But that closed down and that just became part of the hospital grounds. Used to grow strawberries and cucumbers and things like that that we all bought. I'm just thinking back to what you're saying about the men like that, Ella. Was there any difference between what the men and the women were able to do, what they were able to participate in? Yes, big differences. Um, For about five years, in the mornings I ran a woodwork room 
and I never once get any of the women in. A proper woodwork room with electric tools and electric saws and things like that. Um, I think the women, they like to come and we sat with a great big table and you didn't have to be repaired as long as the ward knew where you were. There was maybe four staff in there, four OT staff, and they would come and they would sit around the table. And most of it was good chat. There would be crocheting or there'd be knitting or they'd be doing their baskets. But most of it was um, getting it off your chest and getting your moans out and having a laugh. And, and occasionally somebody would burst into song and things like that. Um, that was very much the women's side of it. But I, I had um, kind of... So it wasn't a cook, cooking groups for them. It was, um, and I would take a trolley along to the ward with a whisk and ice cream, lemonade, and milk. would make ice drinks for the rest of the ward. And they would hand them out, you know. Um, they'd come along for a baking group in the afternoon again to share right around the ward. That sounds really nice, Ella. I'm just thinking what you're saying about the women doing their crochet and their knitting together and having a laugh. It sounds Aye. like a, like a really, you know, they were getting a lot out of that group and that activity in other ways as well, becoming quite and a you social. Learn, you learn such a lot about their home backgrounds. I mean, we, we picked up quite a lot of abuse um, through these groups although you would never discuss it, you'd go back because it was spoken openly. But I always felt it wasn't up to me to pull I, I wasn't the expert in dealing with sexual abuse or any other kind of abuse. I would take that back and I would speak to whoever was in charge of the ward or speak to one of the psychiatrists. And because it was so spoken about openly, I wasn't breaking confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting, isn't it? Just how engaging in something like that and being with a group that they felt safe and able to discuss really difficult, yes. challenging issues like that. Yeah, but I never, I was, when it came to child abuse and things like that, I, I was actually quite uncomfortable with that. I don't, especially when it came, when I was working with the crisis team, I don't know if it's because of children of my own, and I was always frightened I'd say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favourite thing was, look, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Do you want me to talk to sister, whatever, or doctor, mm-hmm. whatever? And then invariably said, yes, and I left that side to the trained staff who maybe had more experience in that mm-hmm. than me. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just sometimes in those situations it's just the listening that's the most important yeah. part for them isn't it and the other patients putting their tuppence worth in yes having that support yeah but it was never when there was um, special groups for things like that within the hospital in a private room and everything that wasn't what we were about mm-hmm. because these these groups at the beginning, they get a wee talk about what you hear in here is confidential and you don't discuss it with anyone else. 
And of course, they'd come at the door with opening out, they would come and um, I'd meet them in the corridor and I'd get somebody else's big long story, although you discouraged that. Mm-hmm. It, it was never confidential, mm-hmm. although it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you feel that the attitudes towards mental health has changed? The sort of stigma of mental health um, has changed you you know obviously you worked there for 28 years you then worked um elsewhere within mental health as well so you must have have seen a huge yes but uh, how how do you feel that's how what do you think is is um changed um it's a difficult one believe it or not Although it's all out in the open now, and even Prince, whatever you call it, William's talking about it, and everybody's talking about it, I don't think the help's not there that I feel there should be. If we saw, we had a regular patients, as you know, well, clients, as they're called nowadays, we had a regular clients, and you'd be going out to your car and you'd see maybe Annie hanging about the grounds and you'd say, are you okay, Annie? What's what's happening? I am fine, I'm fine. Are you want to come in for a cup of tea? No, I'm fine, I'm fine. And invariably, two days later, Annie would be um, admitted because she'd made her way, they used to make their way to the hospital with and not say, I'm needing help, I'm not well, can you somebody help me? They were just automatically, somebody would take them in, take them into the office, have a wee talk, and they could be admitted without going through all the paraffin, the referrals and the waiting lists and everything that you go through now. That I don't like. And I don't like the attitude as, if you've got a bad day, you've got a mental health problem. Nobody's ever just bloody fed up, <laughs> you know. They've got to have a deep-seated mental health problem that I find hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that the work, you talked a bit there about, um, you know, the challenging situations that you were in at work, do you feel that it impacted on you and your own mental health and well-being? I don't think so. I was never afraid. I never felt threatened. Some of the um, people we dealt with were pretty violent at times. They seemed to run past me and hit the nurse, poor, poor nurses. Um, I found women more difficult, more volatile probably, to deal with than the men. I'm small, I'm not very tall, and I'm slight built. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But at times I felt quite protected because the, especially in the woodwork room when we had the dangerous tools and I was on my own. Um, Did you ever feel afraid? Sometimes a bit weary. Never afraid. Maybe I was a bit naive and a bit stupid. But never afraid. Mm-hmm. One of the guys, um, we were in the woodwork room and one of the guys threatened me with an electric saw. And um, I was standing over at the, the fire door that led out into the gardens. 
and I just pushed the van walked to, and the door opened out the way and walked out and the rest of the patients followed me and we had a bit of a laugh and um, one of the charge nurses came down and took him away and he was back the next day fine. That sounds like a fairly challenging situation, Ella. Maybe, as I say, I was a bit naive. Well, I think you, you know, these kind of situations, you, you, you react um, quite impulsively sometimes, don't you? Because yes. you have to if you're in a if you're in a dangerous situation like that. But it sounds like you handled it amazingly well. So I wouldn't ever say that you were being stupid or, or naive. It's it's how you react in the. At I the don't time, think isn't it was. It? I don't think I was ever um, careless. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I always was able to read the situation quite well. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it seemed to work anyway. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that just having more experience helped with that? You know, with, with reading situations and knowing when to be concerned or not? Very much so. And maybe how we start... How I, I mean, there'd been an OT in the bar for... Oh, 30 years. It was as if I went in and started up an OT department. And it had been there. It was just, it seemed to be separated from the rest of the hospital. Um, the, the OTs then didn't work in the ward. The patients came down to them in a separate building. Whereas when I went and asked if I could work in the ward, for no reason other than the fact I was bored. That's why I wanted to get into the wards. Mm-hmm. Ella, was there ever art therapy? Yes. Well, I would call it... The, some of the OTs were really, really good at art therapy and they could um, read what was going on in, in the paintings and things. I done things like... Um, my friend owned a, kitchen, owned a kitchen and bathroom company and... There was always spare tiles and we'd go and pick up the tiles and we'd smash them all up and make pictures, big pictures to go up in the rec hall or to go out in the gardens, out in the wall in the courtyard. Things like that, you know, we made pictures outside for uh, spring, summer, autumn and winter around the courtyard. And we made big bureaus in the rec hall of all the activities that took place. And that was all done with broken tiles. I don't know if you'd call that art or not. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm not sure when in the past that art, art therapists, you know, qualified art therapists, um, became involved in, in the NHS and in mental health Yeah, services. we had art therapists. Yeah, we had a girl that came in with music therapists. Uh-huh. So... And we used to get in, we used to get in help with a the music therapist. Um, see, when I look back, and I think Dyke Bar was a one-off. Maybe I'm just patting, patting Dyke Bar in the back. I don't know. But And eventually a patient bought us a, a minibus. Oh, and the world was a oyster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we used to take off and went, went to theatre, done all these things, went to the pictures and went away down the coast. Um, very busy days. Mm-hmm. I've got a big book, Jeanette Allen collected it all up, and it, 
when I retired, it's, this is your life. And some of the comments in there is, is quite good, actually. Mm -hmm. Some of them are a bit insulting. <laughs> quite good. Mm -hmm. the, the IT guy that fixed the, um, the computers, he wrote in it, um, I thought, I didn't know well I worked here, I, th I thought she played with the patients. <laughs> That's really nice. That shows what a good relationship that you had with them. Uh, and, and we had a garden. We made a garden. Everybody had their own plants. We made gardens. And, but you can't always be right. Everybody had a, garden, a plant that they planted themselves sitting in their um, lockers beside their beds. And I think there was six in the, this bedroom. And one of the guys smashed them all. And then I discovered later that when he, as a child, he was abused and he was lying in amongst flowers when he was being abused. So not everything was successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ask in the ward, is anybody afraid of plants? Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that you just wouldn't have, have known, would you, until it's... Until that's that's until the something like that happens. Yeah. See the um, the three brothers I was telling you mm -hmm, about mm -hmm, haunted me. Mm -hmm. Um, they all get split up and get sent off to different old people's homes. And um, years later, I was at a funeral in Hawkhead Cemetery, and I noticed a stone, and I looked at it, and I thought. Something was ringing a bell. I, I, I think what's happened, looking at it from afar, is instead of a huge big dike back, because we had 780 beds, that wasn't counting the day hospital and the industrial therapy, because some folk come in from that during the day, the clinics and all the rest of it, 780 beds. Now, dotted about the place as lots of wee dyke bars. Mm -hmm. I mean, where I stay, I, I don't know if you know Paisley, a lot of the patients who were moved out um, got flats and what have you in this area. And I see them wandering about very much alone. And um, their faces light up when they see me because they know I'm going to stop and talk to them. Mm -hmm. At one point, I remember one of my, my grandchildren saying to me, is there any drunken Paisley that you don't know? Because <laughs> I worked in the alcohol unit as well. Is there any drunken Paisley that don't know you, Gran? <laughs> I'm quite disgusted. They were never afraid. For the my own children, used to come around the hospital quite a lot, but the grandchildren, um, as toddlers, they were never afraid of what you would call, um, what they would call strange people, because they knew they were friendly and harmless, and they just wanted to talk to Gran and give them a sweetie. Thanks very much, Ella. I feel like um, we've talked for quite a long time, and it's been really, really interesting just hearing your, your stories. I feel like I could talk to you for ages. Is there anything that you want to, to mention that we haven't discussed today that you want to add? 
Um, in the last kind of 10 years the hospital, the amount of training that came up that we could attend and courses that we could go on, there was a lot of them. Um, do you know Jeanette Allen? No. Um, I think she's got a bit to do with running this. I don't know. But she was ma'am. She was the manager in our department, and she, she set up such a lot of things. It was unbelievable. And we went down to um, what kind of mind the name of the place? It was for one of a better word. It was a competition, and you'd to make up a great big scrapbook and put on a presentation. Um, for what happened in your OT departments, and it's from all over Europe, and we won, by our one. We went down and done our presentation. Jeanette's probably still got the book of all our activities and going out in the bus runs and the things that we made and comments from patients and things. I think she's probably got the book, and we to present this, make this book up, present it, and. Um, give it a title, we called ours Full Steam Ahead, with a Royal Scott train running across the top. So that was an art project, if you like. Mm -hmm. And the patients done articles and put them in, and from everywhere, we won this. It was absolutely, and the, the um, Stoke and Trent, I think we went to, um, the hospital paid for us to go and do that. And we've presented, we've presented the whole thing two or three times around the different hospitals in Scotland. So that was quite interesting. A place I found very interesting, again, for another project we did, was the Mitchell Library in Glasgow. They had all the archives of the paper. They were looking away back to oh, 1903 or something, and why people were um, put into hospital and never get out again. Somebody stole a bike, and he, I think there was a few of them, and he was in, somebody else stole food, and he was in. Um, a lot of it was very, very sad, extremely sad. That affected me more than um, any threats. That definitely affected me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's still happening, isn't it? How, in what way did it affect you, Ella? Did, did... I cried. Yeah. I went, I went up and they gave me a lot of it, and it was for a project. A lot of it I didn't use. Um, I'm sitting reading the case notes, and there was things like you had to have a visiting card. But I think that happened in all hospitals. You had to have a visiting card. And you were only allowed to visit at certain times and you weren't allowed to... T there was no such thing as home visits then. You know, our patients used to leave the hospital and we would help get them home and we'd go out and visit them in the community. Um, there was none of that then. But um, I think there was quite a lot of good things happened. It sounds like it, yeah. You mentioned music as well, Ella. Was there a lot of music happening within the hospital? Yes. We had um, a music room. 
and we did a Canadian girl that came and done music therapy and we used to put on concerts and a pantomime and everything like that. Uh, you name it, we had a musical instrument for it. Um, that was really good. How did the patients react to the music? Loved it. Loved it. And every Wednesday morning in the rake hall, we used to close it down. So it was only ladies that were allowed to come. And we put the music on and we do keep fit. But they, they didn't like the men coming in, so we'd lock the doors. So we had privacy and do it. And we had the space and do our keep fit. And that was all music orientated. And you mentioned a pantomime. We made, we, we done a pantomime. We okay. put it on in the rec hall. That sounds like good fun. And um, we always had musical acts coming into the hospital. And once a month, we'd have a group, you know, guitars and drum, a group that you'd go to a wee dance to. They would come in and we'd have a wee dance. And once a year, we put on a bunch of supper. And that was obviously based on music. Um, and that was very posh. You had to have a, a suit and collar and tie on and the ladies got all dressed up and we made tartan sashes. Or they made tartan sashes for their dresses and the minister came and everybody gave speeches and sang Burns' songs. Um, when I think back in it, I don't know how we tend to do it all. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, but oh, and event, I would say about 10 years before I left, the staff were helping me. You know, we couldn't have done put on a posh burn to supper with all the ladies with their, um, their hair done. And slippers weren't allowed. You had to put on your shoes because everybody wore slippers in the hospital. Um, and their beads, the women had the beads on, the men had um, a bit of heather in their lapel. And a lot of the staff, they were all involved involved in that. And the, the work in the background, they were doing, and the chef in the kitchen and everything. He was doing the burns of supper. It was no bought in food then. It was with chefs, with our kitchen staff. So um, I don't know if that includes in being arts or whatever, I don't know. Definitely, definitely. It sounds brilliant. And one of the times I put the, the piper was piping in the haggis and he came in the side door and everybody was standing up clapping and he was walking around the edges of the hall playing his pipe and his pipes get caught, you know the cords that come down from the high windows to be able to only shut the windows? Mm-hmm. And um, him and the pipes went backwards and spilled to the floor and all sorts of skilt was up over his head and all sorts of things and then there was a dance afterwards so it didn't matter what happened there was always a wee laugh somewhere with this soprano came in and she was singing opera which didn't go down very well and my brothers were, they couldn't stop staring down her cleavage <laughs> so there was all, always something going on yeah. it sounds like you've got a lot of good memories as well Ella a lot of good memories from... A lot of good memories. Mm -hmm. A lot of good memories. Um, and a lot of affection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From both sides, from me and from them. And the best thing was how the staff, the nursing staff, got involved. 
Um, and they, instead of me being a stranger in, in the one, of course, I used to go in and um, take my tongs and my hairbrush. And we would, I would tong the ladies' hair and invariably ended up in a sing song. Everybody singing as they were getting their hair done. What kind of songs did you sing? I refused to sing sad songs from the wards. Um, it was Connie Francis and Frank Sinatra and kind of 50s and 60s, Buddy Holly, 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. There was a lot of sad memories from the war. Brothers and sons being killed and not coming back. So Vera Lynn was definitely out. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of things I learned to, to think about before I'd done anything. Mm -hmm. I used to think, why are we singing Vera Lynn here? Mm. When it's upsetting people. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about what was going to be more uplifting and positive. Elvis. Oh, loved Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> as I say, there was always quite a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a lot of sadness as well. Somebody would overdose or they'd be a suicide. So there was all that going on in the background. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he come blase, but he somehow worked through that without tears and with, well, from my point of view. It didn't get me down, it didn't depress me. Maybe I was just shallow. Sometimes it's just about um, protecting yourself as well, Ella, because, yeah. you know... And in the background, I had three children of my own. Uh-huh. Yeah, you need to, need to have a lot life. of emotional energy for that, don't you? Yeah, and then in the summer, of course, we had the big, a big garden fest, big mm -hmm. galaday. Mm -hmm. Everybody came into the hospital and all of the stuff that the patients had made and put together was sold at that and the patients were behind the stalls helping. That sounds like a great day. Oh, it was an exhausting day. I bet. And we'd have car boot sales to earn money as well. We're always doing things to earn money because we never had any. Mm -hmm. That's where the broken files came from to make pictures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just trying to make do with what you've got. We never thought to ask for money. Maybe if we'd asked for it, we'd have got it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you were being very creative with what, what was there, though, materials yeah. and things. Without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So will you be talking to me again? Well, I think what happens now, this is the first of the interviews that I've done. Yeah. So um, what happens now is I send the recording to Ailey, um, who's who's sort of coordinating the project. And, um, and then I think if they feel that they want to ask you more specific questions, you know, just, yeah. just listening back to what you've been saying. And because we've talked about so many different things. If they feel like there's the specific things that they just want a bit more information from, would that be okay to give you a wee ring back just to ask yeah. you some more specific things? No, I've got to. Um, I've got to go now. That's absolutely I've, fine. My granddaughter's taking me for lunch. Oh, that sounds lovely, Ella. You enjoy that. Thank you wonder, so much for, for. I wonder who. I wonder who's paying. Ah. Uh, <laughs>
<laughs> it's so nice being able to go out for lunch again, isn't it? Oh, it's great. I know, I know. Will you enjoy you, that? You, you've been very good as well. Oh, thank you. And um, I, ho- I hope to speak to you again. Well, we have a, a meeting at one point. So th- what's... Um, Ailey will hopefully give you some more information because it's... Um, you know, it's being archived, the information, but it's hopefully yeah. going to be used as part of the Mental Health Arts Festival as well. So so you'll get some more information about it, probably via Ailey from the Mental Health Foundation. Um, she'll get in touch with you about that. But thank you so much, Ella. And oh, another a quickie. Um, 